Praise the Lord. May God bless you and welcome to The Word Restores. This broadcast is sponsored by Restoration to Eternity with Christ Ministries and supporters like you. Our aim is to share with you what the Word of God is telling us about how we should live as victorious Christians. Listen, there's kingdom work to be done, but how can we do it if we are unprepared? We invite you to join us over the next hour. It is our prayer that you will be richly blessed as we pray with you, as we praise with you, and discuss topics of interest with our special guests. Let's get into today's broadcast. Hallelujah. Thank you. So this is um, part two um, of this topic that was so long overdue for us. And I'm just checking right now and you're still seeing and hearing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. So uh, in God's time, through the urging of the Holy Spirit, we are finally discussing this grief and the grieving. So in our last broadcast with our guest, Dr. Nicole Calhoun, whom we have, um, we have met in the last broadcast, uh, we considered the definition of grief and the grieving process. And we looked at this topic from the point of view of the one who was mourning, from the point of view of the one who was coming alongside the mourner to comfort him or her, and from the point of view of the role of leadership. So you see, we recognize that most of us have lost something or someone so close that it made us want to cry or even to cry out. Uh, if not, we do know of someone who has been through loss or even a series of losses. So grief is all around us. And I'm just recapping from our discussion last week. It was there before the pandemic, but it has now become heightened for each and every one of us during this trying time. God bless you, Sister Sheila. We offered some basic tools necessary to understand the natural process of grieving and to walk alongside those who are mourning. Time didn't permit us, though, to respond to all the questions and the comments. So today we want to continue the discussion so that we may respond to follow-up questions and comments to, um, to accept any prayer requests because we really want to get into the praying also. Even praise reports, God bless you, my brother um, Frank. And um, and we, we want to, what we're trying to do is like, comfort one another as we go through this broadcast and um, as we continue to wrestle with, with the questions that, uh, that you may have concerning grieving. But first, um, in this broadcast, I would like us to start with a word of prayer. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you are doing in our lives. We give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Lord, Lord, you know what each and every one who is listening and who will listen, you know what each and every one of us needs. So we're asking you, Lord, to fill us, Lord. Let us hear you loud and clear, Lord. You know the perspectives that we are coming from. And we're asking you, Lord, even as we speak, to interpret through the Holy Spirit, to interpret for each and every one of my brothers and sisters what they need, hallelujah, to hear for such a time as this. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. So let me introduce 
one more time, Dr. Nicole Calhoun. She was my editor on my journey through my <laughs> doctoral ministry dissertation. And she's also a demon graduate of Ashland Theological Seminary. Um, her demon thesis was on non-death related grief, the church's responsibility to assist in the healing process. And all of this was years before this pandemic. So we say to you, Dr. Calhoun, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I, I just wanna leave it for you now to, uh, to give us a little, um, a little bit of who you are and what you have done with respect to this discussion on grief and grieving. Sure, sure. Um, thank you all for um, chiming in. And uh, one of the main things that I wanted to talk about, at least touch on, is the reason for my thesis, which was non-death related grief. Non-death related grief happens to be um, one of the things that I was actually working through in my life. No one had died, but yet I experienced traumatic grief and loss based on my different challenges that I faced in my life or those that I've seen in other people. And I couldn't understand why the church would say, praise your way through it, you know, and it's going to be all right. You, at, at least you're not this, or at least you're not that. And I could never understand the concept of disowning our stresses, disowning our, our, our uh, pain. And so, um, and, and this is not germane to every church. I'm just saying this was my experience and it has been my experience over the last 30 something years that I would see it uh, passed on so to our sure. youth. And the youth would then suffer from loss of relationships or a pet or um, um, a book, something that meant something to them. And the adults were unable to, uh, unable to, um, unable to enable our children to grieve. So that when a death happened, it, it compounded upon the other losses that were encountered in one's life. So I began to study it and actually uh, built different surveys in order to survey churches on how they deal with grief, especially since we are the called to walk with one uh, alongside one another and mourn with each other. Amen. Amen. So what I wanted to do first was just to level set this discussion on and in recapping our definition of grief and the grieving process. And then we're going to move directly into uh, questions. So if you would please um, recap for us about gr the grief and the grieving process. Um, in a nutshell, I'd like to think that grief is simply the feelings, emotions, or perceived emotions that one would feel based upon the gravity of a loss. That's just a small definition. And the reason why I say that is because it depends on the gravity of your loss is as to if you are grieving. No one can tell you you're grieving. You must then validate yourself and say, this is hurting me. This is uncomfortable for me. This is um, something that I am journeying with and I feel that it is a challenge. 
our problem rises when we are grieving is looking for the definition from someone else. So mm. there is there is a, a balance that we have that says, okay, um, it didn't hurt mom as much, right? So it shouldn't hurt me as much. That's not true. Everyone is made specifically and wonderfully different. God has us that way. So we need to know ourselves in order to find out where we are grieving. So when you say any loss that has value that is now taken away, that's in disappointments, that's in whatever you can think of, then you begin to understand what grief is. Amen. Amen. So as we as we've touched on grief, um, I'm going to start with the first question. Okay. And I have first, them all in front of me. So I, <laughs> we go, go ahead and let's, 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 let's help some people today. Okay. So, so the first question for us um, is for, from last week and we're bringing it into this week is how do you mourn when you don't even know that you're mourning? So as an example, we have kids, um, the, the kids at school who um, they've planned on returning to school. And, and now with um, our virtual learning, they know that they'll miss that personal contact with their friends. They're so used to dealing with their friends. And now there is um, an initial disappointment um, and that disappointment, it turns gradually, we can see into maybe readjusting that might seem difficult for them. They may not know what's going on, but they know that they are a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, they may even be acting out, who knows? But how, how do you mourn with someone like a child, uh, a young person who doesn't even realize that, that there is a loss and they're mourning the loss? I believe that that in that that would have to go with the parent or the caretaker of the child. They need to be able to recognize signs of mourning. Signs of mourning is um, an upheaval in the emotions. So they normally would be happy when they, when you gave them a certain thing or they did a certain thing. There's no joy in it anymore. Children experience grief just like we do. They just don't have the language in order to convey it. So the adults in the child's life must be able to recognize grief within themselves in order to help the child. But here are some here's some things that I found with working with teenagers. Um, Hypersexuality. Is this, it, it can be a sign of, of the child is going into a grief period because they're looking to self-soothe. So anything that you would use to self-soothe, food, eating more or eating less, um, knowing that they're getting ready to go into a stage where they're uh, going to be isolated from their friends, they'll isolate themselves in order to have control. So you're looking for periods where they don't want to be around the family when normally they would be looking for opportunities to be sad. They're, they're actually going through the process of the, of the grieving process in the way that they understand it. Um, I also had a couple of other ones, um, hiding, uh, stealing. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, changes in, uh, body imaging of themselves, cutting their hair off, cutting on themselves. Um, there's some, there's some other things that, that 
it, that would align with um, adults drinking, looking for drugs, um, being around other other children or other people that do drugs, um, being uh, a bully, turning into a bully, looking for the attention. So, and I, I don't necessarily like staying on children because adults do the exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we're, we when when we don't get uh, the attention that we want, we tend to pick on other people. We get we we begin to be very critical of other people. So you'll see the siblings going back and forward, but you'll also see adults as well. We're just as bad on on Facebook and social media. We we nitpick people. Um, uh, that's that's what we do when we're uncomfortable with our own grief and our own losses. Okay, so I, you you just mentioned a lot. <laughs> a lot of different issues that, um, well, I shouldn't say issues, but it looks like behaviors that, um, that, that we would find in, and we started off with the youth, but then you, you float into the adults, which is exactly where we have to go with it. Um, as you said, because it starts with the parents, it starts with the adults. So really um, what we would need to ask too is um, how do we, how, how does the parent um, react or how should the parent react? So we're talking about practical um, situations here. So how, how should that parent react or what sort of, of um, mm, I'm, I'm trying to use the right word advice, would we give to parents during this If this, this was a perfect world, the parent would sit the child down and express to the child their own grieving process. Okay. And what it looks like, what it feels like so that the child can learn an empathetic pathway to owning their own pain. The parent would know how to express disappointment with life. So that it, it, one example you gave was the children knowing that they can't meet with their friends for, you know, some of them will be online and they can't talk to them and, and the different clothes that they would wear actually sit in that with the child. What what outfits would you have worn? What what were you looking forward yes. to in this year? What things were you planning on doing this year? How can we relate to making them some of them happen? Even if we do our own little backyard prom or our own little backyard spring dance that we only invite a couple of people to, there's, there's got to be some form of resolve. And that adult or that caretaker has to take the opportunity to begin to empathize with the child. And in empathizing with the child, you have to empathize with yourself, that child inside of you that mm. is screaming and saying, you know, hey, what am I going to do? Because my kids now are at home and I had prepared my life, you know, with my, my career to be at work. Some parents are out of work now. And, yes. and so that's an added on stress and actually being being transparent with our children teaches them how to be resilient in a healthy way. It's it's the way that I believe Jesus came. OK, Jesus was transparent with us. Oh, wow. He was yes. <laughs> with his suffering. You understand? We hide so much. We mask so much. We're so good at it. 
Like uh, a perfect example. I have my good days and I have my bad days. When I'm sad, everybody, my face shows it. I don't put on a mask so that you can feel comfortable around me. Now, that's my journey, but it took me a long time to get there. So if I'm sad, I cry, but I also yes. cry when I'm happy, you know, <laughs> yes. when I'm overjoyed and I'm, uh, and I'm over overwhelmed, which is another point I wanted to bring up. Someone asked me uh, on the last time I said I enjoy grief and I wanted to explain that too. The enjoyment of grief is this, knowing that there is an end. See? Amen. That there is an appointed time, but I have to begin it. I have to begin the journey for it to come to an end. If I never start on it, if I hide from it, if I run from it, it's going to stay there. It's like running from a cloud. That's what um, one of, uh, Dr. Wardle, one of my professors, he used to say all the time. It's like grief or, 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 or thoughts, rather, are like clouds. They'll come. Allow the cloud to pass over you. But that's how I see grief. It's going to come because life is here. Just like we have clouds every day. Sometimes there's sun. There's not a cloud in the sky, right? But then yes. sometimes there's thunderstorms. And we have to be resilient enough and teach our children to be resilient enough in those thunderstorms so that when they become adults, they're healthy and vibrant. And how about this? Transparent adults. Wow. That's, that's awesome. They even talk about a transparent adult. That's great. Praise God. Um, you know, we just had a question, and I think this leads into um, to our discussion. Uh, we have a question from Minister Shalene, and she asked, what are the stages of the grieving process? Um, okay. Yes, let's, let's touch on that one as we go. As a matter of fact, right now. Okay. That's fine. Okay, so one of the first things I want to do, because when I read... Um, uh, Kubler-Ross's book, she definitely wanted people to understand that when I say stages, it's not that you go through this and then you automatically go into the next stage and you go automatically go into the next stage. No. Stages are uh, is just the, the avenue in which she compartmentalized different nuances of grief, okay? Because okay. some people think once they get to a certain stage, it's over and you don't have to deal with it anymore. And whew, okay, I went through the denial stage and now that's over. But no, the denial can come and go. It ebbs and flows, okay? And just like any of the other stages. So we have denial, we have anger, we have uh, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm. So let me give an example. Um, coronavirus. How about that? We'll use that one. All right. How many of you out there, as soon as you heard about the coronavirus and that we were shutting down, you said, this can't happen. It's not going to happen. We're not going to shut down. That's the denial part. Amen. Amen. Right? right? Cause I know I did. I said, are we going to really shut down? No, that's impossible. But yet, and, and still we do. And then there's anger. Some of us experience anger because we don't have control or whatever mm. your issue is. You know, um, there's different things that I have to change. Oh, that's the bad word. Change, yes. you know. OK, and then you have um, the bargaining. OK, so listen, I know we have this coronavirus, but let's see how I can still get my way out of this and not be so affected by it. Right. Right. Then we go through that stage. And then there's uh, for some of us, 
after a while, um, sitting in it, thinking about it, we go into this stage of uh, back to anger. How about that? You know, now that I realize there's some things that I can't do, you know, uh, the bars are closed, the, the, the libraries are closed, the, the, everything is closed. So you, you, you can hit anger again. Yes. Then you can go into denial again, all over again into. So you have uh, a, a, a and, and then I did the last one is acceptance. But when I say the last one, I mean the last one in the series, not the last one that you'll ever go through mm. because you can start to begin to accept some things. But then a trigger, something may happen and you're right back at. I thought My I was God. over this. My I, thought God. I, I thought I was done. Um a, a, a very uh, new friend of mine experienced uh, a death 10 years ago. And this year, on the anniversary of the date of the death, she actually uh, was having a visceral response. And I said, why don't we go and do something special to memorialize? No, I don't need to memorialize. It's over. It's done. Oh, no, it's not. Mm. See? Oh, no, it's not because you're showing me that you're not done with that grief. And that's the that's the scariest part of grief is that we don't know when it's going to trigger something else inside of us. That's why it behooves us to empty out our closet of all the old things that we have to get rid of them so that we're able to process as life comes. So once again, just going over there, uh, the, fi the, the, the five stages are denial, anger, acceptance, uh, bargaining, and um, uh, pressure. pressure. I think it was okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, so I, thank I, you for the I, question. Yes. And here's another <laughs> Um, is it possible to overload a child? This is from Sister Marlene. Is it possible to overload a child with too much information? She says, I worry that some are having trouble already dealing with their own grief. Then they find out that mom and dad are having difficulty with it. I, I think children are more resilient than you think. Okay. I, um, I think you're processing, and this is my opinion, I am not a clinician. I am a <laughs> doctor of ministry, and I also have over 20-something years, none of your business how old, but uh, <laughs> over 20-something years of, of, of um, working in ministry, working in children's ministry. Um, I'll say this, they already know. And my heart, my heart is overwhelmed right now because they already know when you express yourself to your child, you help them understand and begin to qualify and actually help them to start compartmentalizing their own so that they can start to understand it and unpack it. It is your job to help them deal with life. Um, in a sense, they're already overwhelmed because they don't know where to put it. Wow. The parent helps them understand processes. The parent or the caregiver helps them make sense of things. So not saying anything is not helping. You mm. want the child to know that they're normal, that this is normal. Mommy feels overwhelmed sometimes too. Dad feels overwhelmed. Grandma feels overwhelmed sometimes too. Don't give your child the mindset that you are a God. Mm. Let them know that you're human. 
Yes. And that, and that life changes. And see that I think when we, when we don't do that, we teach children, which this is all they know, right? At the age of 12, you think you know everything. At the age of 15, you think you know everything. You don't and know some. until you, uh, until, I'm sorry. I said, you think you know, and then some. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's not until you start to get older in your 50s, 60s, 70s, that you realize how much you really didn't know, right? Yes. But this, the, we forget that because that is all they know, that that is their world. And as adults, because we've lived so long, we've seen so much, we go, oh, don't worry about that. You'll get another boyfriend. Oh, you'll get another girlfriend. It's life, that's all they know. So if that's all they know, they need to understand how did you get over it? Yes. And the, the, the suicide rate is because we, we feel that life is over in that moment. You understand? There, is no, there is no after thought. There is only now. And the pain is so real. The pain is so undeniable that there can't be a tomorrow after this pain. Have you ever hurt that bad to where you felt like, and I said this last time, that your heart was being ripped out of you? Well, Mother. as a child, when they experience loss, that is exactly what they are experiencing. That's They're crying out. But it's your job to help them understand that, hey, there's life after this, sweetheart. And in a, in a loving and gentle manner in which they can actually begin to connect the dots with their pain and your pain. And what you, what, what we used to say in that song, how I got over, tell somebody how you got over. Yes. Tell somebody. Yes. Yes. It's, especially telling the kids, let them know, you know, how else would um, that, that we are not perfect. That's right. What they see is, is years of going back and forth, years of going up, oh, hallelujah, up and down and around. And, um, you know, mom ain't perfect, dad ain't perfect, but see, we still have a responsibility to look after you. And guess what? See, the problem is it takes time to do that. Mm. See, it takes time. And God has made this sacred time, this COVID time. Yes. Sacred to for you to instill in them knowing God, knowing who he is for them, yes. how God can be, how God can be the God of a David, a young boy in a field. You understand? Yes. yes. This is the same thing. The, the Bible is just repeating itself. The, the youth, uh, 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 how God can be the God of Samuel. His mom had to give him up at, at, at five, or, or they say it's around five because that's the weaning age where the mother would yes. give the child up. And, and, and not having your mom anymore. See, we're talking about that God. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. And hey, listen, um, I got um, Sister Marlene who asked the question. She said, got it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my sister sister Valerie um, she says the parent has to be a good listener too because we were oh, talking about the parent you know um, and, and of course 
I, I like I like to comment because we know that we have parents who are not good listeners, you know, who are do as I say, oh, oh my lord, my lord, and not as I do, you know, and and. It is going to be a little bit difficult sometimes for the parents. It's not something that we can just say, this is it, and it works. So, so, so listen, one of the things I used to do with my kids, because I realized at a very, <laughs> at a very young age that I didn't know everything, I used to tell my kids, sometimes mommy gets into mommy mode. I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to make sure you're eating. I have to make sure you have food. I have to, all these things, but they're not in, more important than you. Sometimes I need you to come to me, raise your hand and say permission to speak freely. Wow. <laughs> I like that. Because not only are you my child, you're his child. And my I have God. a stewardship over you. I don't own yes. you. I have a stewardship. And my job is to present yes. you back to God better than I had you. It's not uh, to damage you. It's not to devalue you. It's to show you that God sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made just like me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just like me. You're not under me. See, and I think mm. the, the parental mindset you know, I, I brought you in this world and I could take you out. Actually, you didn't because only God can give breath. Amen. So it does not belong to you. And that right, the way we talk to our children, the way we disrespect them, we teach them to devalue themselves. And so we subject them to other people devaluing them as well, which causes grief. Amen. My Lord, my Lord. So they're actually living with this grief. Um, Sister Valerie said, it does take time. But she says, it's no sense rushing to say it all at once. No. I mean, uh, you, what, what the Bible says um, in the Shema, it says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your spirit. And, and, and yeah, soul and your strength. Says, yes. Teach it. And with your strength. But he says, and teach this as you go. Yes. <laughs> He yes. said, and teach this as you go. Yes. So it's not that there's a lesson. I already taught him that. No, it, it's in every teachable moment, every teachable moment. And God gives us all. We are all still learning. Okay. Amen. We are Amen. all still learning. There are no highs and lows. There's just different things that we've learned over the years that work. And some things we've learned that don't work. And some people are better at things. And that's what we need to teach our children. Um, mommy is good at this, but she's not good at listening. Can you help me learn how to listen? Wow. Praise God. Yeah. How about that? I love how that. How about taking the humble route? You know, yeah. but then, let, me, let me touch on this because it's hard to be humble when you have unresolved grief. Because you already feel like everybody's attacking you. Everybody is on you. You know, you, 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 you're getting it from the north, south, east, west. You're getting it from all around. And everybody is everybody, everybody. But you got to have peace in your own home. Right? Yes. Amen. So Amen. Why not? Why not start the journey of looking at how other people are hurting in your own home? Amen. You know, Sister Brenda just said uh, there is teaching in silence. Because, you know, we have we, we are talking about talking, but what about silence? Well, first, before we get to silence, something significant has to be said. 
Selah. Mm. First, see, because a lot of us walk in silence, we hide from grief, we hide from trauma, we hide from pain. When you are dealing with silence, it's because something has been said that needs to be pondered. Mm. Not just walking in silence. So um, I, I would say yes. And I would add to it that there's got to be something that we meditate on in the silence. It yes. shouldn't be open space. It should be intentional silence. Amen. Amen. My God. Praise God. You know what? I want to get back to our questions. God bless you, Sister Sandra, Sister Nadine, Sister Brenda, Sister Elaine. My goodness, my goodness. And keep the questions coming and prayer requests too, please. Um, I'm going to go to this question uh, about when you are the only one left in your family because of some sort of catastrophe such as covid what are some of the strategies for coping with the losses? Um, you know, mind you, you may not be the only one, but you might feel that you are the only one left. And, and I'm really thinking about those who uh, internalize the deaths and the losses. And, you know, and, and I'm the only one. Or you may have been the one who's been taken out of, um, from a family, which means you are the only one. Um, who is out there. And, and the question is, uh, what, are, what are some of the strategies that, that you know, this kind of soul person um, can run into? I would say um, one of the first things that you can do is to connect with counselors. See, we, we, we don't want to use the mental health um, practitioners, but they are they, they are God's gift to us, mm. you know, having someone, especially if you can find someone that is a Christian and has your values, that understands what makes you tick as a human being and as a soul being. So that's one of the first things. And the counselors then have resources that you can use, the uh, different support groups. Um, uh, we talked about this earlier uh, yes. before we started about the Grief Recovery Institute um, yes. actually did a lot of work. Um, I believe the Word Church, they, they, they have some things going on. And so with COVID, I'm not sure what's going on with that. But they, that, that was my first introduction into the grief recovery system. Since then, I have gone and got certified because I believe in the method. Um, if you go on their website, and I, I, I believe you're going to put it in the uh, the Facebook comments. I'm going to put it in the comments later. Yes. There are articles that you can read. There are free books that you can read. Anything from child and, and dealing with death to uh, de the death of a pet. Uh, there, there are so many different resources out here now that are ready and available for you. And then how about this? Creating your own system of loved ones by praying and seeking God on who to talk to. Because it could mm. be you're just not in the right circles, <laughs> yes. you know, a lot of times we isolate ourselves because we feel unheard, unwanted or rejection uh, based upon whatever our childhood was like, or even our recent past. But if we get to the point where we step outside of our comfort zone 
and actually open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit will tell you who you can talk to and begin to have a friendship and 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 stir that support. Also, reaching out to your um, your church, your church networks. You don't have to go to the church in order to connect with a church. Hmm. Okay. See, that's that's the other thing. You don't have to go to a church to connect with the church. There's different resources that different churches have that others don't. And and we are all one body and we need to think like one body. We need to act like an organism that is my 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 arm will come and scratch my elbow. Right. Yes. I think um, making sure that you're not putting yourself in a place of isolation where no one can reach you and touch you and love you. My Lord, my Lord, you know what, I've, I've got to, I don't know how, um, how our, you know, our family here is um, actually seeing this, um, this, this broadcast, but um, I think it's a little out of sync. So as we have gone on to another topic, we still have a couple of comments from the previous one. So I just want to touch on uh, the fact that, um, when we talked about silence, there was an agreement with Valerie, Sister Valerie, that she says she likes the intentional silence. So I just want to, you know, touch on some <laughs> of the comments. Um, in addition, we do have a prayer request from Sister Sandra Barnes. Um, she asked to pray that God will overturn the situation on her job. I am going to ask you, my sister, to pray for Sister Sandra. Okay, we'll do that before we leave. Okay. Or right now. No, I think it's better right now. I, I like the okay. idea. Let's, let's just do it right away. Yes. Okay. First of all, Lord, you are the God that understands strategy. Because you understand strategy. I'm asking that you would touch Sister Sandra and allow her to sit in this moment, Lord God, to begin to open her minds, open her, open her spirit mind, Lord God, to be able to hear from you on the strategy to overturning it. Mm -hmm. I'm asking for those that are around her, Lord God, to begin to see who she is and who you have called her to be. Lord, mm -hmm. we thank you that Romans 8.28 is irrevocable. Hallelujah. Yes. All things work together for our oh. good. It is irrevocable. It cannot be changed. Therefore, I'm asking that you would change the perspective of her mind right mm. now in the name of Jesus, that she would begin to Thank see you. your strategy in this, Ooh. that she would begin to flow with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that even now joy, even now peace, even now comfort, knowing that you are in control. And because you are in control, you don't give control over to anyone else concerning your loved ones. Mm. We thank you in thank Jesus you, Lord. In Amen. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Sister Marlene, um, I, I noticed you said uh, I'm dealing with this right now, and I'm not sure whether you were referring to the, inter the silence or the uh, situation on your job. So if you wouldn't mind just explaining that and um, we will, you know, we can address it as we go along, please. Thank you so much. So we were talking about being the only one in the family. And, and, you know, I just want to wrap that piece up because I think of, um, of Ahab when he met Jezebel and suddenly he thought that he was the only one, you know, um, all of the prophets have been, all of the prophets. Oh, you, mean, you mean Elijah, you mean Elijah. Elijah, because Ahab was, okay. was um, yes. he was the king. Yes. Uh, Jezebel's. 
husband, right? Elijah. Okay. You know, and that I'm the only one. And he ran because he thought he was the only one, but God, but God. And that's what you've been talking about. Like, um, you know, you've been talking about Christian counselors. You've been talking about praying and seeking God. And uh, God sent this angel to strengthen him, to bring Elijah to the mount, the Mount Horeb, so that um, he may get to the point of hearing God's plan for him. Before he could hear God, God had to, you know, shake him up though with the wind and the earthquake and the fire. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, about us too, when we think that we are the only ones. And, you know, if we're looking at going to the, the like the church network and going to God, you know, um, there's some things that will shake us up first before we get to the point when we can actually hear God and have our mindset, hallelujah, have our mindset changed. My God, I'll just leave that that there with you and go on to the next question. So, um, oh, okay. So Sister Marlene says the one, this is the discussion that she was having about being the only one in the family. She said, she's dealing with this right now. So I, I, I'm so thankful that we actually came back to it so that we can talk about um, Elijah and Jezebel, amen, and going the route of the only person who can, oh, hallelujah, the only person who can help, who is God. God will send his people and he'll put you in the people, you know, around the people, the places and the things that will get you to have that connection when you think that you are the only one. You know, in the Psalms, it says um, he, he, he puts the lonely, was it the lonely in, in families? I believe it is Psalm 130, 131, if I'm not mistaken. I, I apologize if it's the wrong one, but he sets the lonely in families. He set me in one, and I say he will set you in one. He set so, me in one, too. He set me in one, too. I'm extremely isolated. Extremely isolated from my family. Extremely. Ton of abuse, a ton of abuse. My Lord. And, and God does have, Jesus even said, I, there's not one that has lost mother, father, sister, brother that I will not give you from the kingdom. Yes. Brothers, yes. Sisters, and, brothers. and I have my mom <laughs> right here, <laughs> mom right here with me praying. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm here, I'm a witness. You understand? Amen. I'm a witness. There was Amen. some lonely times, though, and I think I think one of the things we we need to understand is that intentional silence that God gives us, okay, to 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 be able to tune into who He's calling us to love and to be loved by. My Lord, okay? you, you can't listen, listen, people, listen, please hear me. He can't just trust you with anybody. You are precious, and when you really realize that you are precious. Then you realize why he won't let you play with everybody. You can't be around everybody. It is important for your soul, for your journey, for where you're going. So the isolation that you feel is a necessary. It is necessary. It's a sacred moment. It's a sacred time. Just trust him. Trust that he has your back. 
Trust that he knows the path. And guess what? He's going to take the swiftest path to get you there. He's not going to prolong it. He's not that type of God. He's the type of God. It may hurt, but it is going to be the swiftest pain that you that you have to go through in order to get that poison out of you. The swiftest surgery. He's not going to prolong the surgery. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Here's the question that um, that we we had from last week. And that's, is there a difference between grieving for believers and grieving for non-believers? So as an example, she says, the word of God tells us that we don't mourn like the world does. Yet some of us blame God for our loss. So is there a difference in that grieving? Well, I, 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 um, we talked a little bit about this before we started because, you know, my mentality about grief is quite different based upon my research and my experience dealing with it. And um, I'll start with the non-believer. The non-believer has the different elements in society that we already know. We use sex, drugs, money, um, career, you know, keep yourself busy, you know, um, all the different things that you hear, uh, being said, you know, I'm, I'm when I say non-believers, I'm saying people that say they they blame God, they don't they don't believe there's a God, whatever you whatever you call a non-believer, right? Those that have not given their life to Christ, yes. And there there are um, tools that they use in order to self-soothe, or they may use counselors or any other of those myriad of, of different um, avenues to take, right? Amen. The believer, the believer has those same avenues as well. However, we have the Lord. Mm. And because we have the Lord, we know on one level that God is a healer, a lover, keeper of my soul. And yet I am still suffering and you are watching me suffer. See, therein is the the issue. So sometimes I believe that the believer has a different weight, a heavier weight, if you will, because there's a theology that clashes with the pain and the suffering because we don't understand the suffering of Christ. When you understand the suffering of Christ, then you understand it. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. We want to reign, but we don't want to suffer. We we want we we are we want to be the walking dead. That's what I call it. We want to be the walking dead. You know, you're a zombie. You haven't had the death. You haven't had the time to actually die to some of the things that God wants you to die to, in order to have the true resurrection of a thing. And that's the grieving process. That's the Garden of Gethsemane, and it and it comes in different areas and disappointments. It comes with. Um, not understanding God's, why would you let a baby die? Mm. Why, why did you let, um, I, I, I cried so hard when uh, the young man, I cannot remember his name right now, um, uh, was hunted by uh, three grown men. Oh, yes. And, yes. Uh, and, 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 and something hurt me. It hurt me because I have two men children i saw my child being Mm. hunted down Mm. and so i i have to then reconcile my theology of who god is 
And in understanding who God is, I have to understand that Christ died. Christ didn't come here and had a party and then went back to heaven. That's right. <laughs> you understand? That's right. God, God, for whatever reason, we will understand by and by truly. But we have to be okay as believers with not understanding. Not understanding why the pain, not understanding why the path. There's a cer certain times I used to tell God, I would have done it this way, Lord. You could have did it this way. <laughs> Lord, you could have did it this way. I, I, would, I, would, I would have these conversations with the Lord. I said, you could have did it this way. You could have did it this way, this way, this way. <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. And, and, and the beautiful thing is, look, just like you, that tickled you, and I believe it tickled my Lord and Savior. It didn't make him I'm any sure less God. You understand? And I think that's why we need to have conversations about the theology of Christ and the theology of suffering and the theology of knowing what resurrection truly is. Resurrection is the rising of something that was dead. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I think about um, even Job um, in this um, where Job didn't go back to God, but Job, you know, said, you know, he opened his mouth and he cursed the day that, um, uh, that he was born. This was his, um, you know, his his pity party. And, and yes, there is a difference because Job had all that confidence in, in the Lord, you know, um, and, and then in the end, all of this has happened to him. And, and Job is saying, what's happening here, Lord? What's happening? You know, loss of his family, you know, just loss of his possessions and everything. And yet in the end, we have a witness to see what, oh, hallelujah, what God did for Job. And it, it is also, I believe, for us um, as believers to be able to uh, get back into the scriptures. And but we have to hear the word first in order to believe it. You know, I think of um, also in First Thessalonians chapter four, and I'm going to read just a couple of verses from it. But uh, verse 13 said, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died, he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So what we have to remember is, um, you know, taking the scriptures and applying them to ourselves very often. And, and I deliberately did not read it in the King James Version that we are used to, because it has to make us think this, this was from the New International Version, so that we can internalize it and chew on it and recognize that, you know what, God is still, oh, hallelujah, he's still on the throne. No matter what I'm going through, I know he's still on the throne. Yes. So, you know, I, I'm just so thankful for um, for this discussion that we are having. And um, I know we skipped a question because our time is beginning to run out on us. But I did want us to touch on and, and uh, you did touch on the um, the institute. Um, I, I did want us to touch on the Grief Recovery Institute on any um, information 
over and above the word of God, because I do have some scripture references I want to pass on to uh, to the group um, that we can go back to and chew on. But is, are there any other useful publications um, other than the word, of course, that you can support, you know, that can you can suggest to support the mourner or for those who are mourning with them, the comforter? Okay, when you go on that website, there's different articles and free books that you can actually download. Um, I can also um, send you something after this, uh, a quick email that you can send to your followers as well with some different resources. But that is a, it's to me, it's a one-stop shop for the most okay. part. It's, it's, it's for uh, counselors. It's for people that are interested in beginning to help other people grieve. You can be certified in grief counseling, which which is what one of the things I did as well. Uh, also, uh, begin to watch. Uh, uh, they have different um, articles. I'm sorry, different articles on grief, loss, and trauma, and, and different things like that. Also, I wanted to give this one scripture, if you don't mind. Right. First um, Peter two is in First uh, Peter two twenty one. Okay. And it talks about the suffering of Christ. And um, there's a, a pericope, there's a, there's a set of scriptures there. So when you go there and you meditate just for our group, if you could just meditate on first Peter two 21, I believe it's up until like uh, 24, 23 or 24, but it says following in his steps and enduring. And when we follow in his steps, they're speaking about the suffering that Jesus went through mm -hmm. for us to be saved that Jesus wants us to follow in his steps of understanding the suffering that he had to partake in, in order for us to be saved. Oh dear. We're losing your volume. Okay, I, I'll tell you what, my sister. I think we're losing, we're losing your volume. So let me, and, and I know that we don't have much time left. So what I'd like to do is to touch on um, a couple of other scriptures. Yes, I recognize that, Sister Molly. We're not hearing her, um, and I hope that she will understand. She will get it because we have a, um, a delay here. But some scriptures from, from the, the word of God for the mourner um, is Philippians chapter 3, se uh, verses 7 to 11, um, where he said, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And when we think about the grieving, we think about suffering the loss. Amen. And verse 10 says that I may know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So that's one scripture for those who are um, to the mourner. Sometimes you feel like venting as a mourner. So I would go to Job 16 and you can take a look at verses um, from 7 to 14. that he says, you know, God, you wore me out. You devastated my household. And, and you know, as though God didn't know what, what was going on. Uh, some things you just have to leave in the Lord's hands. 
And that would be again from Job, um, Job 16, um, when he said, excuse me, this is in Proverbs, where um, we, we see that he communed with his own heart. And he said, I came to great estate. But then he recognized in the end, in much wisdom is much grief. The more I know, stuff is happening all around me. So, you know, um, but we can find comfort in the word of God in Psalm 119, verse 50 and 52, that says, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves me. And that's one thing that Dr. Nicole was touching on, his promise. I find comfort in your laws. And then let's flip it to the one who is going alongside, who is comforting them. Sometimes here's, here's something, silence is the best response to grieving. In Job 2 and 13, uh, Job's friends sat down with him on the ground for seven nights and seven days and seven nights. They didn't speak, for they saw that his grief was great. They, they were discerning and seeing that his grief was great. Um, but then, just know when to speak, talking about the comforter. Because in Job 16, verses 1 to 6, Job had to reply to his comforters. And he said, I have heard many things like these. He says, you are miserable comforters, all of you. Will, will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? And he had to lay into them because they were irritating him. You know, they, I guess they were truly a grief to him. So what I want us to do, and I, I'm thanking you now for, um, for being on this broadcast with us. And, and I really want us to start chewing on some of these discussions on grief and grieving, and even going back to the, the previous uh, discussions. And, and let's start looking at it, not just from the practical, but from the spiritual perspective and see what God is going to do to, oh, hallelujah, to strengthen you and to strengthen me on this road that we have. Because until we are strengthened, we cannot strengthen someone else. God can't use us to strengthen someone else. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters, thank you so much for being on this call. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your contribution. And I thank Dr. Nicole for being here. I thank you, my sister, for, um, for lending your time twice, you know, on, on, the, on the broadcast so that we will have a good discussion on something that was so close to my heart for quite a while. And, and I didn't get the permission to speak on it. But now the Lord says it's time to talk about grief and grieving. So thank you, my sister. And God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. My pleasure. Amen. Amen. So this is uh, Dr. Jewel and Dr. Nicole signing off. God bless you all. And may the word of Christ dwell in you richly and blessings to all. May God touch you in a mighty way. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah.